some topics on today's episode may be triggering as we discuss pregnancy loss and grievance. If you or someone you know has experienced a loss, please visit www.stillbirthday.org for helpful resources. Please remember you are not alone. Hey guys, I'm Carla. And I'm Kristen. And we're the Busy Moms. Today on the podcast, we are so excited. We have with us Paige Davis. She is the owner of Imagine Birth, and she specializes in birth, postpartum, and bereavement. So let's get to know Paige and let's welcome her. Thanks for being here. Thank you guys. Thank you guys for having me. I'm so excited to be here and talk to you guys today. I'm so excited to learn more. This is like always something that I've been interested in. Okay. Yeah. So just tell us about yourself and what you do and how you got started and just. Okay. So I am a doula and a postpartum doula. If people out there do not know what a doula is, it is a person who is a non-medical person on your team, on your birth team, um, who is going to support you. They're going to be there to advocate for you and your birth preferences. We don't say birth plan. We say preferences because you guys know birth is like, uh, there's not a plan. (laughs) So we can prefer what we want to do, but we don't actually plan it because that can just like bring all kinds of disappointment. I like preferences better, for sure. So we help with that. We want to advocate for your birth preferences, but also support you physically um, during the birth. Many people don't realize that once you get in that labor room, that the nurses, they are taking care of you medically. They are watching your strips, your contraction strips, your heart rate, your baby's heart rate. They are not there to do hip squeezes with you or to massage your back. They are not for that. And that's okay. They have their own role, but a doula can come in and just be that person with you 24 seven. We are with you from like beginning of your pregnancy or whenever you hire us until after you've had that baby. And if you think about that, your husband is actually the only other person that is with you continuously throughout the whole journey. You can have a doctor may not be the doctor you get for your birth. Your nurses are going to have shift changes So that doula provides that continuity of care throughout the whole thing. So you have somebody there that you've developed a relationship with because that's so important about what I do. I like to develop. I want to make friends with everybody. Okay. So this goes along with postpartum support. Um, Are you there beyond that time? So you come into the house, they need you, you stay however long. What's your typical like length of time you'll stay to help them? So during the day, I like to do four hour increments because I think that's really a good, healthy time to come in. And like we said, with family, it's not really comfortable to like give family a a to do list. But I prep my families so that when I get there, I literally want to look at you and say, what can I do to help support you so that you can be successful today? What does that look like for you in these four hours? And that may, it looks different for every single one. There are some mothers, they're like, you know, what's going to help me be successful if you hold this baby while I go take a shower and take a nap. Yeah. That's going to help me get through the night. I've got night feed still. Okay. That's great. Other moms, like you said, I want to hold my baby. I want to do the things for my baby. They may say the thing that's going to help me be successful is if you can wash all the pump parts, get all the bottles ready. Or, hey, I just have a few dishes from breakfast. Can you help me get set up for the rest of the day with my kid, my other kids and this baby? I want to pack in as much in those four hours as possible. And so that can look like two or three days a week. 
if you wanted it. It could be two days a week. Yeah. When I do nighttime care, that's a whole different animal. Mm -hmm. um, that is for your really tired, exhausted parents. It can be on the little pricey, a pricier side, mm -hmm. but even if you can swing it in your family to have eight hours of uninterrupted sleep when you have a newborn can really do something for your emotional state. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's, it's life giving to you. So I get there at 10 o'clock at night and I prep them and I'm like, Hey, you be ready to go to bed. As soon as I get there, they go to bed at 10. I don't see them again till six. Okay. So they've pumped bottles or either um, I'm taking baby to them to breastfeed and then taking baby back to get to sleep. Whatever it takes for you to get the maximum amount of sleep that night, that's what you need to do. That's nice. And so that is a really, yeah. really good service. So for is that too. for like a week period or a two week period? Or do they get to pick like, hey, I need a month's worth of support. Um, so yeah, how does that work? I, with, I mean, there are postpartum doulas out there. Obviously, I'm not the only one. I take, there are some birth postpartum doulas that only do postpartum work. I really don't want to give up the birth side of it, even okay. though I love postpartum so much. So I take my birth clients and I usually reserve one spot for a postpartum mom okay. a month. And so it looks different. I have packages that have 10 visits postpartum. We can spread those out however you need oh, them. Okay. It, what is great about postpartum is moms are home, they're with their babies. If I have to change the schedule because I have somebody going into labor, it's really easy right. for me to say, Hey, can't do it today. Let's make this day up later. Yeah. And so just depending on how many you need, we talk about it. We kind of schedule, Hey, we're going to do five sessions or 10 sessions or however many you want mm -hmm. and get the deposit going, get their spot settled and then going from there. Very cool. So I have a question about like the birthing side. Mm -hmm. Um, so to me, like a doula, just from what I know, I don't know a whole lot, obviously I'm here to learn, um, is more of like a natural birthing process. Is that necessarily true? Or do you just guide them through like their birth, birth preferences? Like, okay, if you want an epidural, you can get an epidural. This is I, like, how do you educate them? Um, and to help them make that decision. Well, obviously you help them make that decision, but like just educating them, I feel like that's stuff that like the doctors don't necessarily do. No, they don't. Um, when we go through all of our birth preferences on the plan there, I've got, I've made a whole list of questions. Okay. So we go through scenarios, um, different things that could happen, um, risk versus benefits, okay. um, the lesser of the evils in this case, you know, have we, gotten to a place in the birth where maybe we need an intervention. Mm -hmm. Maybe we didn't want it on the front end, but now we've gotten to the certain place. Now let's talk about the less, is this the lesser of the evils right now? Okay. And so I help them walk through what they want their birth plan to look like, but no, it does not have to be all natural at all. Okay. I would say the percentage of people that like completely let's, well, let's make a distinction. All birth is natural, right? Correct. We're making yes. a distinction yes, of correct. unmedicated birth, right? Right. Okay. So being unmedicated um, is a very small percentage. Um, so I can, I support all of those people. Okay. I support you if you, and I say this in our meet and greets, I'm like, hey, if you want an unmedicated birth, I am with you, I'm gonna champion you, I believe in you. If you wanna walk in and get your epidural as soon as you walk in the door, I'm going to be there and champion you as well. Like now, that. will I educate you, Miss 
I want to get the epidural really quick. I'm going to educate you on some of the kind of cascade of interventions that could happen after that, just so you're aware right. and you're not caught off guard. Mm -hmm. But I support everyone. This is your birth. Just because I may lean in an all natural, more crunchy way does yeah. not mean that that's what I expect you to do. Right. I want everybody to feel free to do whatever they want to do. This is their birth and their baby, not yeah. mine. It's very cool. And I, I do feel like a lot of times though, even if you do have a specific idea of what you want, um, how do I say this without like calling out doctors? Cause I don't really, I don't want to say that they're bad in any way, but a lot of times they like rush things and move things along. And like, do you play into that in the hospital at all? Like, okay, you know what? She's not ready. We're going to take this as slow as she wants. Like, how do you kind of have those conversations or handle that? Are you allowed to talk about that? I don't no, I can't talk okay. about that. I, we talk about this in our prenatal appointments because I want to make it very clear to them. First of all, they've chosen their provider and they have a lot of trust in them. And I don't want to come in and like tear down all of the trust that they have for them. My education comes in like in the evidence-based world, here's the way birth in the birthing whole dynamic is starting to lean. We're starting to lean more on what a mother wants and her choices and how she wants to birth her baby, not just a cookie cutter way of the way that we've been doing birth for the last 50 years. Right. But I still have to play a very neutral role. Even though you have hired me and I am an advocate for you, I cannot go in and blast doctors, you know, to their face. Right. So I play a very neutral role where I go in and I'm like, Hey, here's our preferences. What do you think about this? Is there anything on here that you feel like that you're going to have an issue with? And they'll tell me right up front. I don't know that we're going to do this or might not can do this. Most of the time they're very favorable and say, Hey, yeah, I think this looks great. We can, we can delay cord clamping. Um, yeah. We can birth in different positions. We don't have to be on our back. So most yeah. of them are, are starting to kind of lean more into That's that way. Great. But a lot of it is education on my part as well, because one of the first things I do is we talk about what type of birth you're wanting. When you find that out, then we have to find out if your provider aligns with that. Right. Because if not, you're going to be set up for some very harsh disappointment and you don't want to be in the labor room. And that's when you find out that you don't align with your provider's yeah, thoughts. Sure. Let's do that up front. Let's figure out you're wanting to be more natural or more unmedicated then let's find a provider who supports that. Not thinking you're going to have an unmedicated birth with no interventions and you've got a doctor in town that has like the highest percentage of interventions right. and C-sections. So that's not who you want to be with. So let's align you with the right person. In their medical world, they're trying to fix the problem and that's okay. But a doula is going to come, she's going to be that emotional support. And what about your partner? Yeah, They're usually always left out. Sometimes I'll look at dads and go, are you, do you know what's going on right now? And he's, they're like, no, no one's yeah. talking to me. And yeah. so they're in, the, they're in this process too. So I'm not just a doula for you, but I'm also a doula for your partner who says, hey, here's what's going on. Let me sit you down. Let's let me, and no matter what the situation is, many emergencies. I had an emergency C-section not that long ago. And the dad was just like, you could just see in his, the fear in his face. Mm -hmm. So after I calmed mom, then I'm like, hey, I put my arm around him going, are you okay? Is everything okay? Do you have any questions? Yeah. And, and give them an opportunity to say, your voice is valid too. You were yeah. in this process too. Right. You're not just over here on the couch, you know, 
so eating popcorn. Yeah. Right? I mean, watching even though the, some of them watching the movie happened. <laughs> oh, there's the head. Yeah. <laughs> Deciding um, what to rate it. Yeah. yeah. That's so funny. Okay. So I have a question about like home births because when I had kids living in Alabama, um, I don't know if it was just North Alabama or just Alabama as an entire state, but I know that they were not legal. Like you could not mm-hmm. have a home birth. Um, I'm assuming if it just like happened unintentionally, maybe that would have been okay. I don't know. <laughs> um, but they became legal or is legal the right term? Yeah. Okay. So legal in 2019. So, um, have you done a lot of those? Are those like a preferred method for you or a lot of people? I'm just, I'm curious how that works because I think it's so neat. Um, I probably would not have done one because I would have been like very panicked that something was going to go wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, but how do you guide mothers through that? And like, if there is a problem, what happens? So due to the fact that midwifery in Alabama has not been legal until 2019, there are still midwives that are being trained, um, coming up and trying to get their get the word out, I guess, about yeah. home births and that it is safe. So many other countries, especially like our countries, states, especially on the West Coast, this is so common. Yeah. It's okay. so normal. Yes. Here, it feels foreign. When you mention it to somebody in Alabama, they're like, oh, I don't know. I'm so scared. I just want to be in the hospital, which is fine. That is totally okay. But home birth for low-risk pregnancies is really safe. The midwives that are here are amazing and they do a really good job of combining the medical skills that they do have um, along with that kind of midwifery skill of letting you labor on your own, do your own thing has been amazing. The percentage of what I do is not very much right now. Mm -hmm. Um, I've had probably since I've been back in Alabama in 2020. One, I've had two home births. Um, one ended up in a hospital transfer and the other one was very successful, but it's been a really great experience. And I'm really hoping more people are going to choose home birth because it is an amazing option. Yes. And can you tell me a little bit more about, or tell us, sorry, a little bit more about like what happens after you have a home birth? So I know in the hospital, um, you know, someone's checking you like every hour and they're pumping you with, not pumping you, but you know, providing <laughs> you with medication, um, <laughs> you know, checking all your vitals, all of that stuff. Like, does that go on after home birth as well? Or is it more just like this very peaceful, um, transformation, which I'm like about to have another baby just so I can experience this, even though I'm not going to, <laughs> but I'm kind of like, can I have a do over twice? Um, but yeah, so. Well, first of all, if it makes you feel any better, I would have another baby today to be able to experience home birth. Um, yeah, and then I mean, you I could just... have it. <laughs> I would yeah, give it straight to you. Because <laughs> I don't want to raise well, another baby, but I would that's like to go too. through it. That's me too. Like, I I keep telling, I'm like, I'll be a surrogate. I'll have your baby. I just don't want it after. Like, I don't want to raise another baby. I'm just like not there. Two is good for me. Um, but yes, I would love to experience that because both of mine were so different. Um, but it's like to have that just peaceful experience would probably have helped me mentally. Mm-hmm. Um, just in the long run. Yeah. So I don't know. Like one of the things that is been- such a, an issue and I understand that 
there's hospital policy and there's all kinds of things you've got to do. If I could request one thing of the hospitals on the postpartum floor, it would be, can we just all get together? Can all of you get together and do all of your assessments and all of your questions at one time or like once or twice a day instead of every 15 minutes someone's walking in the door? Um, and so these new parents are not getting any rest at all. So the flip side of that is being at home. It is the most peaceful, most relaxing thing because you immediately get in your bed. You know, you're in your bed, you're, everyone's cleaned you up, birth, you know, and all of the kind of ugliness of birth is like taken away in the trash bags and you are just there with your baby and you can sleep and you have, you know, probably your family there, someone bringing you food, some soups, nourishing you, and you get to do nothing but just be there. And the midwives stay um, for a couple of hours to kind of make their mm -hmm. assessments, make sure that your bleeding is minimal and not too yeah. much. And then after a couple of hours, they go home and you're just there. Um, the one that I was just with, I stayed for approximately six hours afterwards mm -hmm. at their request because after the midwives were gone, they were a little nervous about um, breastfeeding yeah, and things like that. So I just stayed there with them. And so, you know, mom and dad, baby are right there on their bed. I'm sitting in a chair. We're discussing the birth. We're just talking about it. We're feeding the baby. It was just the most wonderful experience. I, so, I don't have enough great things to say about like, it. Like I am about to cry, like thinking about that because <laughs> that is just so neat to me. Um, I will say just to kind of get this in there. You know, you were saying earlier that, you know, you get like different nurses, like mm -hmm. shift changes, just one positive thing about, you know, going to the hospital. The nurse that I had, she was with me um, when I first got there and her shift change was at like midnight mm -hmm. and she didn't go home. She oh, stayed. That's awesome. She stayed with me until I had Sloan at 801. So she was there an extra eight hours. Oh, like, wow. <laughs> like she hung out. That's until, amazing. Yeah. And I wish I remembered her name. Because if you're I listening, would, yeah, <laughs> right. I would write her like a letter, take her to lunch, or you know, yes. it was amazing. Like that was a really. I do feel like people like you and people like her are needed in mm -hmm. the world. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Like someone to just make that experience. Yeah. yeah, there are some really great nurses out there, sure. and I don't want to take anything away from that. I work with some really great nurses at the hospital. And ones that are very supportive of birth and very supportive of uh, physiological birth and helping these mamas achieve what they want to achieve from their birth plan as much as possible, you yeah. know, depending on how that birth goes. Yeah, right. That's so neat. Imagine birth the way you always dreamed. And then imagine Paige Davis making that dream come true. Visit www.imaginebirthdoula.com and book your free consultation with Paige today. Spots are filling fast, so make sure to hop onto the website as soon as you can and book your appointment. How did you come up with Imagine Birth for the name? So I have this really good friend um, who is an author and she does great graphic design. And so I was like, I knew she was gonna be a good resource to um, help me come up with a name. And her advice was, you just need to start thinking about what you want birth to look like. What is it that you are trying to express to moms when they hear your name, they would need to see a piece of you yeah. in that name, not just something random. 
So I, I would think, and I thought, and I would wake up in the middle of the night and think, and this word imagine kept coming to my mind because it, I kept hearing um, in my mind, imagine something different. Yeah. You know, it's, we're trying to change like what it always has been. Um, like if we want to talk about my birth, how I just went in and, you know, the status quo, we go in, we get induced, we get an epidural, we get an episiotomy, we have a baby. It kind of was like that cookie cutter thing. And I didn't know anything different back then, mm -hmm. but so many women want to do things different. So when they hire me, I want them, or when they think about my business, I want them to think about what are you imagining that's going to be different? Imagine your birth. Imagine that it can be something that you really, really want it to be. Okay. I like that. That's really cool. Um, so what, where did you become interested in becoming a doula? Like when was it in your life where you were like, you know, this is where I want to go. This is the path I want to take. Um, it's been a journey. Honestly, I have been like obsessed with pregnancy and having a baby ever since I was little. Aww. My mom, um, I wrote a blog about it. So there's a picture up of me. I think I was five years old when I was stuffing a pillow inside my pajamas <laughs> and I was running around telling my mom that I was going to have a baby <laughs> and she's a little creepy at five, but <laughs> looking back my on it, does that, so. <laughs> looking back on it, I just had this desire of, to learn more about pregnancy, to learn more about babies, what our bodies actually do cool. and what they go through. So if you fast forward through that, I, was pregnant when I was 20 years old, very young. Um, this is kind of part of the story that kind of turned me not against um, the hospital system at all, but I could definitely say that I was marginalized in that I was on Medicaid at the time. In that time period, um, this was back in the early 90s um, and in the county that I was in, um, you were not it, Medicaid was different. You didn't get to go to a regular doctor. You had to go to the health department and you had to see whichever doctor was volunteering that day. And also whichever do doctor was volunteering would be the one that delivered your baby. Um, when I went to get my ultrasound, um, the ultrasound tech turned the screen away from me and said, you're on Medicaid. You can't see the screen. Oh you my can't. Goodness. I know you can't, we can't tell you what your baby is because you're on Medicaid. Even when I went into the hospital, um, I was induced that morning. I remember they started everything at eight o'clock at two o'clock in the afternoon, which you guys know, that's not very long. No, they right. came in and said, you're only at three centimeters. You're not progressing. Um, we really think we need to do a C-section. And I was just like, first of all, so young. I didn't know. I put 100% mm -hmm. of my trust in the doctors in the hospital staff and I'm like well if this is what they say I need to do yeah. then I guess this is what I need to do yeah and they they had already coupled that with you're very small we don't think you're going to be able to have this baby so that's what I did afterwards you do all the thinking isn't that what you do though yeah if, no matter what your oh, birth is sure. you kind of replay it over and over and over in your head you're just like why did this happen why did this happen why didn't it why couldn't it have been this way? And I think that's what I did. And I was just like, this did not have to be like, you didn't give me long enough mm -hmm. and I wasn't pushing it. So the next time that um, I got pregnant a couple of years later, 
I was like, I don't care how long I have to labor. You just leave me here. I'm never going to complain. Just let me labor. I am having this baby. And thankfully, um, there were not a lot of VBACs um, back then, but, and it was a fairly new, uh, new thing, but they did let me labor. And I, from the very beginning of contractions till the end, I think was maybe like 31 hours, but I had an epidural, <laughs> I will yeah. say, because I'd never heard of anyone being yeah. in a hospital and having an unmedicated birth. I didn't even know that was a thing back then. Mm -hmm. So had that baby and then was able to have my second or my third um, as a VBAC as well without any kind of complications or interruptions. So that was really good. All of that to say that knowledge that I kept getting through each birth was fueling something inside of me where I wanted to help other mm -hmm. women like you guys just don't understand like your body can do this if you just give yourself a chance. And so, you know, when you have littles, you know, things aren't, <laughs> you don't necessarily have the resources or the time. And I was just in a place in my life where when I did find out what a doula was, because it was very, very new, it was a new profession and people didn't know a lot about it. I started reading up on it and trying to find classes. There were no classes in Alabama. So it would have meant traveling to another state, mm -hmm. staying for a week long trip and getting the training and coming back. And then coming back and going, well, nobody's going to allow me to do this because nobody yeah. knows what this is. But I did have friends, you know, throughout that whole journey that was like, I need you to be with me at my birth. I need you to be there. Or, you know, can you help me understand this or help me understand that? Mm -hmm. And I kind of, you know, was acting like a doula of sorts long before I even right. knew exactly what it was or what that role carried. So that um, continued. My kids grew when my kids um, got old enough and they moved out of the house. We found out they were all getting married in like basically one year, oh, no. <laughs> maybe a year and a half. They all got girls or boys, or... Uh, two boys and one okay. girl. Um, we were, were sensing some transition in our life and my husband accepted a job in Seattle. And so we were like, you know what? Everybody's out of the house. Let's go on an adventure. Mm -hmm. We've never been out of Alabama you know, really. So let's, let's do it. So we went to Seattle and I did not realize until I got there, um, someone said, you do realize you're in the Mecca of doula world. Like this is where doula started. And I'm like, no, are you kidding me? <laughs> and they're like, you know, Penny Simpkin that wrote the doula books. Yes. I don't know if you've heard of her, but she is very well known in the doula world. Her school is here. And I was like, Oh my gosh. Well, I started looking into that. Um, I met someone else and she said, Oh, I didn't know that you were interested in being a doula. My best friend owns a company, a doula company here. I didn't even know what a doula company was. <laughs> and so I was like, Oh my gosh, please connect me with her. So I got connected with them and um, it was a company out of Seattle called Expecting Joy. And they immediately took me on, put me in their mentoring program. I was able to go to the um, Penny Simpkin school there at Bastyr University, learning from the best, like the instructors that I had are some of the foundational members of the doula community. And so to be able to go out there and learn and sit under that kind of mentorship, y'all, I have no words. <laughs> it was just like, amazing. oh my gosh. So we had no idea when our adventure took us out there, what doors it was going to open for me. 
And so it was just a time in my life I was able to do, you know, have the money for school mm -hmm. and have the time where I could um, devote it to mentorship. And that was so amazing. Neat. I love that story. Like, I just, I love how that all just worked. Out. It really did. That is so cool. I love when life works itself out. Okay. So you also specialize in bereavement. Mm -hmm. Um, can you tell us a little bit more about that and sort of the process you go through with moms? Um, so I will be honest and tell you that I have not yet supported anyone in okay. the bereavement category yet. But the reason that I got the certification last year is because in doula work and being with births, everything's not always going to be positive, right? We're yeah. not always going to have wonderful outcomes. And I did not want to get myself in a situation where I'm supporting a family in the most beautiful moment of their life and it turned into a tragedy and I don't right. know what to do. So that's what fueled me to actually take the certification. And so what I learned though, throughout the months of this training was that there are so many facets of what this goes through as far as early miscarriage, um, even late to, you know, midterm to late miscarriage and how you can support families throughout every piece of the journey. One of the things that I've found out was, you know, we're so conditioned now. We don't announce our babies until we're 12 weeks. You know, we want to make sure that everything's okay. Mm -hmm. But what does that do to those moms that did have a miscarriage before 12 weeks? Nobody even knew. Nobody's, nobody's crying with her. Right. You know, except maybe her close family. But why are we making it such a stigma um, to lose a baby? And so part of the bereavement doula process is to be able to stand with her, listen to her, understand what she's going through, be that person and be that support in those early um, weeks. Now, if you move on to a later term, then it's, hey, if say someone was going through a, a, a loss, a fetal demise, and they were having to go to the hospital and actually birth that baby, because that does happen. Mm -hmm. Who is with her that knows everything about the process and can, who can stand beside her and walk her through the process in the moments of the biggest grief of her life? Yeah. There are so many stories about how when they women got to the hospital, it was more of a medical procedure and the emotional part was kind of left out. And I'm sure there's nurses that do provide that. But I think overall, the majority is like we're, you know, they're do, they're here to do the medical side. They're here, here to get the baby out. And what if you don't know all of the options that you have? Did you know that you can hold your baby? Did you know that you can um, dress your baby and put it in, you know, a, a cloth and or a blanket and hold it and you guys have time with it? Did you know all the things that the hospital um, has available to you? And so many people don't. And how how better than to have somebody there with you that can help you walk through it, can give you all that information and help you grieve in that moment. I think that's so important. Um, I had a loss at eight weeks in between my two daughters and I only like one person, well, I guess a couple people knew I was pregnant, but again, I didn't want to announce it. Mm -hmm. um, and only a couple people knew I was pregnant, but it was like, I, I felt like I just couldn't 
say anything or do anything. It was like, okay, this happened and I just need to like move on. Mm-hmm. Like I had a friend that did know cause she was there like the day that I found out I was pregnant and she went with me to the doctor. Um, and it was more like, okay, if this passes over the weekend, then we'll just check you on Monday. If not, we'll have a DNC, which I don't even know what that stands for. Um, is that even right? Did I say that right? I don't even know. Um, I was able to pass on my own and I mean, it was a birth. Mm -hmm. Like I felt the contractions. I knew that it was happening. Um, it felt just like having my other babies. Mm -hmm. Um, and I went through it and I knew it happened. And then I was like, okay, well, I guess that's that. You know, I didn't really know what to do beyond that. You Mm -hmm. know, I went to the doctor. I was like, what do I do with the remains? They're in my freezer right now. Do I keep them? Do you take them? Can you tell me what happened? You know, just all these things. Mm -hmm. And he was like, typically they're just discarded. Oh, wow. And that was really hard because I'm like, what? And it was more or less like, well, a lot of moms don't know this is happening and they flush down the toilet and they don't. And it just like, it hurt my heart so much because I just didn't really, I don't like no one allows you to, well, not no one, but it's like, it's so common to just be like, okay, this happened. Mm-hmm. And you're right. Do, do, do. I'm just going to move on, which is basically what I did. I mean, I have, I have thoughts about it and I, had prayer and I lost my dad, um, before I had my first daughter. And the only way that I was able to process it really was to just say like, my dad gets a grandbaby in heaven. Mm -hmm. And that's how I've just always thought about it. Like this, this baby wasn't meant to be in my arms. It was meant to be in my dad's Mm -hmm. so he could experience in heaven, what we're experiencing here on earth. And so that's really the way that I coped with it and was able to deal with it. Um, But I didn't know that that support existed. Mm -hmm. And I definitely feel like because medical professionals deal with it so often um, that they don't really provide. And this is, you know, not really on them. It's just, you know, they go through it so often. It's just they don't really know what to do because Mm -hmm. it's not emotional for them. You're right. So anyway. I guess no, I think even in those early, like even at eight weeks, it was something to you. It was a, it was a baby to yeah, you. It was a beating heart. Like, And I, so if you yeah. had had somebody to call and walk you through it, number one, the first thing I would have told you is we would have come up with a plan of how to have closure to this. How can we celebrate the life of this baby and how can we memorialize this? And let's come up with a I mean, I'm not saying it had to be a ceremony, but it could have been something just for your own family, for you and your husband to say, we're going to mark this day. We're going to mark this life and we're not going to forget it and just have some kind of closure. And then I would have also been there for you to like text or call and just say, this is what I'm feeling today Mm -hmm. and have somebody that you know is on the other end of that, knowing what you're going through and being able to provide that emotional support to you. Yeah. I think what most people don't even know what a bereavement doula is. And I think maybe we need to get more um, awareness around that. But I do want to make sure that people understand this too. Yes, when you hire a birth doula or a postpartum doula, there is a fee associated with that. The way that bereavement works is if you were to call me, I would absolutely be there for you, 
however much you needed me to be there for you. And then at the end of our time, I would say, hey, what would you like to donate to the next family that's in this position? And it's almost like a pay it forward thing. Yeah. So whatever you wanted to donate would go towards the next mom who was in that position to pay for like my time and those types of things. And no, no amount is too little, no amount's too great. Mm -hmm. It's just like, what do we want to pay forward in the name of our baby? And then the next mom will pay forward for their baby for somebody else. So it's not like you have to like, oh my gosh, I need to come up with this money to help somebody to bring somebody in to help me. Not even thought about at that time. So can you talk about like postpartum at all um in reference to maybe how a mom is feeling um like anxiety depression do you walk them through those feelings do you also serve as like a counselor kind of to them i i don't know if you can talk about that or not and i don't know if that's um something that comes along with a with your doula certification um if you're able to talk them through different things um what i try to do is i i check on my moms like a lot through the first few weeks, but then I, you know, break it up and I guess more, give them some more time, give them some more time. I don't want to be on top of them, but I do try to create a space where they feel like that they are welcome to come to me. And I make it very clear. You need to talk to me if they're, Mm -hmm. you need to reach out. If your husband is like, Hey, something's going on in my house. She's not acting right. (laughs) And if you need to call, if he needs to call, then, then do that. And I'll reach out to her. But I, I'm very um, aware of giving them some of the resources and tools to recognize postpartum depression and what that looks like in their home or what it could look like. And I want to be able to provide resources for them. If she just needs, hey, I need, I just need to vent or yeah. I, I'm just having yeah. a bad day, 100%, I want to be there for that. Yeah. If I had a mom just this week who was struggling and I said, listen, I know you're having a hard time, you know, reaching out for help. So I'm going to be checking on you. And one of those days, I think I'm just going to tell you, hey, I'm coming over. I'm bringing coffee and we're just going to chat. And if you need to cry, you need to cry. If we need to chat and just go over the birth again, and some of the disappointments that happened with it, let's do it again. So I do want to provide that as much counsel as I can, but understanding my scope as well and when I need to refer it out to someone else. If you're looking for the latest fashion, check out radrags.com. Use code BUSY15 at checkout to receive 15% off your purchase. That's B-I-Z-Z-Y-1-5. All right, it's game time. Woo-hoo. Okay. Here's a good one. What would be the worst possible pizza topping? I'm going to be that girl. It is the pineapple. No. No, we've had this I'm, conversation. I'm sorry. Oh. I, was I, thinking, I can't I'm do like, it. She's gonna say pineapple. I can't she's do it. It's I can't seriously do it. the and best. I am a foodie, like 100% foodie. Anybody that knows me knows that. But I am not doing pineapple and pizza. Have you tried it? No. Okay. <laughs> I can't do it. it. It doesn't go. It, it, it's you a would fruit. Think that, but it's like there's like that salty, sweet. It's my. <laughs> favorite oh my gosh my favorite it's if I could only get one topping on a pizza it would be pineapple oh and cheese yeah isn't that so you have to try it just like one bite close your eyes 
don't even like realize what you're doing. Just next time okay. someone has it, just be like, can I have a little bite of that? And just like cut off the little bite and close your eyes and put it in there and chew. And you're going to be like, hmm. Okay. I'll give it a chance. Good. What is yours? Um, That doesn't belong on pizza. Onions. Oh, oh really? Yellow <laughs> onions too. I want an onion on the pizza all the time. <laughs> I can't. I just can't do onions in general, so they don't belong on anything. <laughs> I don't like onions. How do you do the quesadilla Hawaiianist then? Uh, do you not? Should... I pick them out. Okay, you pick them out. Okay. Because they put a lot of onions. They do. Nothing. I've asked several times for them to give it to me without onions, and they put more. So I'm like, <laughs> I'm just not going to say anything. I'm just going to. Where is this? At the Mexican restaurant we like to go oh, to. Okay. So, yes, I just take them off. But they're cooked in... Like I get shredded chicken on mine and they're cooked in the shredded chicken. And that does not bother me because they're so soft. Like I don't even recognize the flavor. Yeah. It's like if I can taste the onion, you know, like when you go to the Japanese restaurant, like the hibachi and they give you the onions, it's like, they're not like super soft and sauteed. They're like kind of crunchy still. I can't do it. Oh, they like all go. You are away. missing out on so many yummy foods. No, I just, I can't. <laughs> like I stopped tried? eating. Yes. yes. <laughs> and I've stopped eating guacamole because it has onions in it and I cannot handle the flavor. Um, yeah. It just like, it leaves this, salsa. Like, you can't eat salsa then. I do eat salsa, but if it's too oniony, I will not. Like I've really kind of like gone to cheese dip because if, so if a, a salsa is my husband's this way with tomatoes. So if the salsa is chunky, like, I'll just dip it and get, like, a little bit of flavor. Mm -hmm. If it's, like, the picante, you know, whatever. Yeah. Salsa, where that's, like, mm -hmm. soupy. I can handle that because everything's together. But okay. it's, like, on its own, I just. Oh. Yeah, right? Okay. Kirk is like that with guacamole. He doesn't like the creamy guacamole that they usually have at the Mexican restaurants. But if I just make guacamole at home and I make it chunky, He likes the chunks. Yeah. Yeah, he'll eat that. See, and I have to make mine without onions for me. Kyle doesn't like onions either, but we usually make it without onions, and then he doesn't like tomatoes. So it was literally <laughs> like avocado with lime juice and like salt and pepper. <laughs> you could do black Which beans. Is still good. Do, you it. do you like black beans? I love black beans. Yeah, he does. But he what about tomatillos? Oh, yeah. What are those? <laughs> <laughs> it's like a little green tomato, but they're small and they're a little tart. So it doesn't have that tomatoey, I don't know, the the red tomato taste. It's just a little tart piece. And you cut them up really fine, put them in the guacamole. Interesting. I've never even heard of those. Yes. The only thing I can think of is Tomatoa from Milana. Okay. <laughs> my my non-pizza topping oh, yes. would be anything fishy. I just don't do fish. Mm -hmm. I, I can agree with that. Yeah, I don't want and fish I don't, on my pizza. I don't want fish on my pizza either. I've never had fish on my pizza, but I don't want. I haven't had it either. I just can't imagine that one tasting well. You know? Right. <laughs> okay. Do you want to go? Sure. Um. Let's see. I think I want to know the answer to this one. What is the weirdest thing that could happen right now? Ooh. Um. <laughs> <laughs> the weirdest thing that could happen right now um my house exploding oh my goodness <laughs> be weird and tragic i don't know oh gosh um i don't know the weirdest thing would probably be 
And now it's going to happen because she lives on a golf course, like a golf ball coming in while we're podcasting. Okay, that would be weird. I don't think that'll happen here, though. We're in a pretty good spot. Well, that's kind of funny that you say that because I was thinking the weirdest thing that could happen is what if we had like a streaking golfer? That just like <laughs> ran across the course right now, and we're just sitting here going, I like "Oh my that. gosh, that what is, is happening?" That's not really happening, but what if it did? That's hilarious. That's so <laughs> that's so, that reminds me at my sorority, they did um, like the fraternities would do. I don't know if it was every fraternity. I can't even remember now, but they would do. Um, like an anchor run. I was a Delta Gamma and they would do an anchor run where they'd all cut. We had a big anchor in front of our sorority house and like the fraternities would come over and like in their skivvies, mm-hmm. they take them off, hang them on the anchor and streak across campus. Okay. <laughs> that is really funny. I've never heard oh, of goodness. that. Okay. Um, what's the best way to pamper yourself? Rodan and Field skincare. Contact Carla Tiger for your skincare needs today. (laughs) Shameless plug. Seriously, though, that's how I feel for myself every day. I would say for me, um, pedicures. I, the thing that I do the most, I mean, who doesn't love a good massage? But I don't do those as often as I wish I did. The thing that I do the most, though, is like Epsom salt bath. Okay. And so I have a bath person. I have a galaxy light that I take in my birth bag so we can put the galaxy light up in the hospital, but I'll get it out and put it in the bathroom and just have the music going, just create this atmosphere and just get in my bath. That's I what like I love. That. That's yeah. so cool. You're, I just, you're like my soul sister. <laughs> I know. I'm a bath person. I don't take baths. And I like it some salts. Oh, yes. I love it. Does it detoxes your body? I it, know. it does feel really good. I need to do that more often, but I don't. The only, the last time I used Epsom salt, well, I had a problem with my foot and I would like soak it in Epsom salt. But when I had mastitis, that really helped. Yes, it does. Um, soften. I do. I had like my boobs in this water. And I was like, yes. <laughs> so that helps a lot. Okay. Did we, did you go? Did everybody go? I think so. Best way to pamper yourself. Okay. Um, oh, it's your turn, Kristen. Oh, okay. Um, let's. What's the most fun song to sing at a karaoke party? Oh, you love karaoke. I know. What's the most fun song? Now I'm trying to think of like the one most fun. I know mine. Okay, go. The most fun song to sing is that was that the question? The most fun song. So I used to karaoke regularly. Um, before I moved here, before my husband and I were together, together. And I always sang um, Without Me by Eminem. Oh my <laughs> I knew, gosh. I knew it was going to be an Eminem song. I knew, I knew, I knew. That was awesome. Without Me by Eminem was my karaoke song. 100%. Every time. Most fun. Um, I think all songs are fun that I karaoke to. Um, Gosh, I'm drawing a blank because I like them all. And you're so good at karaoke because you can sing. Most, we karaoke on our show. Maybe anything like you need Journey because everybody sings okay. along with you. Yeah. So, you know, just anything like. Don't Stop Believing. Yeah, that one or um, How We Run. 
Oh, yeah. yeah. Into the midnight sun. That I one. don't know if I know that song. That's Journey. Round and round. Okay, yeah, I do know that like song. That. <laughs> yes, that's a good one. Okay, so what about Disney songs? That could always be. My yes. daughter and I could, we could sing The Little Mermaid oh, yeah. or um, Beauty and the Beast. We could sing all those. But when we get into the car and she loves 80s music because I ingrained that into her yes. from the very beginning. But this is what we sing. Wilson Phillips. Oh, yeah. Hold yes. on. It has got the best yes. harmonies. Uh, <laughs> yes, I used it to, does. She, she jokes me now. Because she'll say, she jokes that how mean I was when she was little because we'd be in the car singing the songs that were on the radio. And I would say, you cannot sing the, the main line. You have to find the harmony part. Find the harmony part. <laughs> that's, and, like, that's like my girls in the back seat right now whenever they're singing. But now she's growing up. She sings all the time and she knows the harmony. I mean, she, yeah, she can find that harmony part just like that. It's That's great. awesome. I was like, I'm just teaching you something. I know Kristen's singing it in her head. Yes. Okay, but I'm really sad because I've never done karaoke in my whole life. Really? No, I actually have a little dream about it. Yeah, you have to. It's so fun. What's the best thing about weddings? Hmm. Um. Do you have one? Do you have one? Go. I would say now the best thing about weddings is being able to get dressed up and dancing. Yes. You know, I mean, because other than that, I really don't have a reason to get really dressed up. Mm -hmm. That's very true. What about the food? Yeah. Since I'm a foodie, I'm always wanting to know what they're serving. Okay. And so I'm, I'm probably a critique as far as yeah. uh, how how is this and how is that and what does this caterer offer and are right. they any good so I'm always wanting to know about the food choices I like that I went to a wedding once and they had um there's a truck in Nashville and it just does like macaroni everything I've heard that truck yeah and that they had that truck at their <laughs> wedding so good chef's so kiss so good <laughs> see and I'm not a foodie so like I rarely eat at weddings but I love the cake Yes, cake. cake. Good. Mm. The cake is always my favorite part because sometimes it's really good, but then sometimes it's really bad. And you're like, I feel so sorry for you that you paid five thousand dollars <laughs> you know for this terrible for. cake. Yeah. Um, but I think like I love like seeing people just at the altar, like declaring their love for each other and like really feeling it. You know, mm. like I love when they're in it and like the guys crying and the girls crying. I don't know, it's just really sweet. So if we want to go there, to, we can. I have to recant something. I said mac and cheese. I meant grilled cheese. It's the grilled oh, cheese. Oh, okay. And they have mac and cheese tots and grilled cheesy tots. Like, that's what it was. That was at the wedding. Yeah. Interesting. Sorry. That sounds <laughs> And so they good. have a brick and mortar now, I think. Yes, they do. Yeah, they do. Okay. Okay. Um, what would you most like to do after you retire? Y'all think. I already know what I want to do. Okay. I'm closer to retirement no, you than don't. you are. Um. I don't want to retire, want to retire for a long time, but I want to camp oh, and I want to travel okay. and I cool. want an RV. And we've been My talking about it. For, about <laughs> we've been talking about it for a while, but um, now currently I'm not in a position where we can just take off all the time because people have babies yes. all the time. And so that's not really a thing. So when I retire, I would like to get a nice RV and go camping. That's so cool. Be in nature. I like that. Kyle and I talk about that, but ours is more like 
we'll have an RV and we'll just like live in it and travel. But he will go play all the golf courses that he's ever <laughs> wanted to play. And I will just go to all the pools yeah. or the beaches yes. or the tropical places that we go um, and just kind of enjoy them. You don't part. want to go to cold places, do you? No. <laughs> and either does he. So it's like we both want to go to warm places, but it's like he can, I'll go have a spa day while he goes and plays golf and we'll just like drive our RV around and experience different places. But we don't necessarily want to camp. I get if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Like we don't really want to be in nature unless oh, it's a golf course. For gotcha. Him. Um, so it's kind of similar, but either that or just move to the beach. Yeah. And I want to go to Montana. So the opposite of Montana you. is beautiful though. <laughs> you know, I have been to Utah and I loved it. It's and very beautiful. I've been to Jackson Hole, Wyoming, and I loved it. So it's like I like those places. I just don't want to like live there long term. But I don't think I want to live there long term. I just want to go visit right. and just I be. Montana is amazing, though. Yes. I would go there just on vacation. Is that where Yellowstone? Yes. Okay, my sister is going. They're going to say it's so cool. They're going to May, and I don't know if it's isn't it some of it in Wyoming and some of it's in Montana. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure I which think so. part they're going to. Uh, actually, I think it is Montana. Saying that. Um, but anyway, they're staying in a teepee. They're glamping, and it's like a glamping a teepee. teepee. Yeah, it's so cool. Like I was like, I don't even camp, and I'm like, this is really cool. I do this. I would. Do that. that sounds fun. I would glamp. Yeah, it looks super <laughs> cool. That sounds fun. Yeah, I, I need this information. Yeah, no, <laughs> I, I really want to go. Cool. <laughs> yeah, that's a camping trip I would take. I used to camp all the time when I was a kid, and I liked it. But it's like as I got older, I just didn't do it anymore. And yeah. so now I'm like, could I do it? And I probably could, but I don't know if I would like love it as much, you know. So that's just really where I'm at on the camping front. But I would glamp for sure. I just need a bathroom. Yeah, that's my as thing. As long as there's a potty. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I need to or I mean, I have no problem going to the bathroom in nature if there's like nowhere nobody else around you yeah. know what I mean but mm -hmm. if I'm with like a bunch of other people that are also hiking and doing other things it's like this is weird so I'm, I'm just not graceful using the bathroom outside in nature so <laughs> I just I just don't enjoy it I don't enjoy the experience you I have to be graceful I love that for all your skincare needs contact Carla Taggart today via Facebook or Instagram invest in your skin it's going to represent you for a long time. So if I came to you and I'd never had a doula before, had never thought about it, what would be the most important thing that you would want me to take away? Um, I think the most thing that I want you to take away is like what my personality and what I try to bring to our relationship. It is so important to me to make relationship first we're about to be in the most intimate space <laughs> possible right? Very true. so we don't want it to be stranger like but i think what i like to bring to the space is that kind of motherly nurturing um i do have three grown kids i've done this before um i have that experience but I also want to be your girlfriend too. You know, mm -hmm. it's kind of a, maybe a tricky place and maybe I'm trying to be too young. I don't know, but I do really want to create that relationship with you so that you feel like not only are we girlfriends and we could hang out, but also, wow, she's really like a mom. And if my mom's not in this room with me, I've really got somebody that's going to take yeah. care of me. So, okay. I have a question kind of beyond that. Do you typically take place? of the mom 
in those situations because like if you can only have two people in the birthing room mm-hmm. and it's like me and my husband and you but my mom really wants to be in there like is that hard have you encountered that like is that a hard yes. space to be in? <laughs> yeah okay. i have encountered it it is a hard space to be in because we can only have two people in the hospital room right now it actually has its pros and its cons um there are moms that really do want to be in there i'm just going to go ahead and say this for all the moms out there there's not a ton of women birthing that want the moms in there. <laughs> it's almost like they feel obligated to have their moms in there. And when they're choosing between their mom and a doula, this is kind of what I say. If you want your mom there, 100%, we can do that. And I've even created packages around, hey, I want you to be my birth support all the way up to labor. Um, I even want you to come to my house and help me stay home as long as possible and labor with me, but then my mom's going to be there. But I will say the majority of people choose their doula over their mom for this reason. Mom birthed 20, 30 years Mm -hmm. ago. So many things have changed and they are trying to have a different birth than what their mom did. And because their mom has not had training and does not know the evidence-based birth kind of updated information now, you know, they may not have the knowledge to be able to do the same things and help them carry out their plan the way a doula would. Right. So they're kind of choosing the doula going, Hey mom, you can come after, but I, it's not that I don't want you in here, but I need my doula support so I can have a positive birth. And that's what my goal is. Okay. I like that. I like that explanation too. Mm-hmm. It's like, I love you, but yeah. <laughs> Very cool. Well, if people want to use your services, how do they find you? Um, you can follow me on Instagram at Paige Your Doula. That's P-A-I-G-E because I'm an I girl. Okay. Um, and Or you can come to my website, imaginebirthdoula.com. Okay. And find me that way. Awesome. Well, we've so enjoyed talking to you today. Thank you. It's I'm such an enlightening so conversation. I'm so glad. Thank yes, you guys for I having me. Like I, I really enjoyed it so much. I feel like um, I learned a lot too. You know? I know. And I cannot wait to share this episode with our listeners. So thank you so much. You're thank, you. thank you. Have a great week. Busy moms out. Busy Moms Podcast is brought to you each week by Carla Taggart and Kristen Pippen. If you'd like to connect with us, please email busymomspodcast at gmail.com.